Hello, and welcome to Human Together, where each week we enter into conversations on the communal life. This is a podcast for people who agree it is not good to be alone, but who secretly wonder whether it might be easier. It is for we who waver daily between longing and belonging, intimacy and isolation, making plans, and then breaking them. It is a place for actual people who crave a connected life with God and each other, but have found being human together less than simple along the way. If that's you, welcome. You are in good company, and I invite you to settle in as we make space for one another amidst life's complexities and explore who we are with curiosity and compassion and pursue a more communal way of relating with God and each other. I am your host, Sarah E. Westfall, and today marks the very first episode of the very first season of Human Together. So I couldn't think of a better person to join us for this very first episode than my dear friend, Tasha June. Tasha is the author of Tell Me the Dream Again, Reflections on Family, Ethnicity, and the Sacred Work of Belonging. She's a Korean-American storyteller whose writing has been featured regularly at Encourage, as well as other places. She is a fellow Hoosier living in the Indianapolis area with her husband and three kids. In addition to all this, Tasha is a dear friend. Tasha, I'm so happy to sit with you today and to be able to have this conversation. Thank you for being here. Oh, thank you. I'm so happy to be sitting with you too. I know. It's crazy that we actually only live like an hour and a half apart. And here we are though, separated by screens. <laughs> an hour apart is a lot because of the seasons we're in. I think with kids and everything, it's like, we're so limited, you know, but it's it's really not that far. <laughs> I know it's not. I told a friend yesterday at lunch that the season of life that we are in feels like I'm playing Jenga trying to figure out where things fit and which piece can I pull out and not have the whole thing crumble. Yeah, that is a really good description. It's bonkers. Like, I don't yeah. know what it is, but hopefully it's a season. We will find out. Yeah, we will. We will. <laughs> well, I, I'm so excited to have you on Human Together. I know that you and I off microphone have had many conversations related to belonging, identity, and so much of your writing circles around the same topics that that mine do. And so I was really mm -hmm. happy um, that you said yes to this. But I would love to just start. So much of your writing does talk about being in the in-between, um, whether that is in relation to your identity, to belonging, mm -hmm. maybe even seasons. Like, you know, mm -hmm. we were just talking about what has it been like for you and you can go any direction you want with this. But what has it been like for you to navigate these spaces where you feel like you don't quite fit? Yeah, such a good question. You know, it's changed over time. I would say for most of my life, the first, I don't know, I, I guess you can't really say half because I don't know how long my life will be. But when I think about growing up, childhood, you know, being a, a young adult, I think for most of that, it's just felt very awkward and uncomfortable and constant. And so sometimes when I start to feel a little bit more settled or like I'm not so much in an in-between, I it's almost like I, I don't know what to do with myself. You know, like that that has been such a constant for me that it's only been later in life that I've started to kind of unpack that and like think through, I guess, think through the fact that 
that doesn't have to be how it always is, you know, um, even though we are always in seasons and shifting and there's always change going on. And the reality of who I am is like, you know, in these in-between spaces or this liminality. But I think that I didn't realize that I could have a settledness in that, if that makes sense. So for most of my life, it's just been awkward and, and difficult. And it's kind of set me off to be constantly searching for a place that wasn't that, and mostly the awkwardness, you know, it wasn't even that I wanted to settle with one place or another. I just wanted to get out of what felt so like such upheaval all the time. Yeah. You mentioned these like liminal spaces and these in-betweens where there's a tension Mm -hmm. there often, but you said, and this really like stuck with me that there's a settledness you can still have amidst the tension. Is that something you think that is kind of just part of your DNA, part of your makeup of Mm. being able to, to hold that tension in that way? Or is it something you feel like that you've, you've learned along the way? I think learned, I think it was maybe there from the beginning in some ways, like in my makeup, how God made me. But I think I've had to learn how to kind of um, be okay with the tension and also, I guess, give myself permission. You know, I think, you know, growing up, I was always looking for that permission to come from others or some other explanation. You know, I wanted someone to tell me that I fit more in one place or the other or explain to me why I should choose one thing or the other. So I constantly felt that and that felt like a very negative tension. I think what has come over time is this ability or this learning to embrace the fact that it can be both. Like so many things in our lives, like, you know, I feel like it's become so common to say, you know, we can feel this and that. But I think that really has just come over time, just really feeling like I can be both. And it doesn't have to look like someone who maybe is says they're just one, if that makes sense. And I'm thinking more of like ethnic identity, but even just home and like where I call home and it doesn't have to just be one place. You know, so many of our questions towards each other kind of force us to just give an answer. And I feel like there isn't much room for where's home to you? And I've always felt like, oh my gosh, I can't answer these simple questions. Like I just have to make something up or just pick one. You know, I think the reality is, okay, no, I just have to give a different answer (laughs) or, you know, say there are two things or, you know, and just be fine with that. Even if someone's trying to tell me that I have to give something more simple or, or just pick one, it doesn't work. Right. At the same time, as humans, we often are trying to make sense of the world, make mm-hmm. sense of ourselves. And so it's easy to want to try to put things in simple check the boxes into categories that we feel like we can hold and contain. Yeah. But also at the same time, like we're, we're complex people. Mm-hmm. And like you said, whether that is our ethnicity, whether that is our personality, whether that is our spiritual journeys, there's not like a cookie cutter to those things. Yeah. Are there practices or people, maybe even concepts that have been helpful to you to learn to hold that tension? Because I think that the temptation for me and probably other people as well is instead of holding that tension of the both and is to 
try to fit ourselves into yeah. either or. Yeah. So what is helpful for you not to try to squeeze yourself into a specific definition? I think being aware of aware and really honest with myself about my reality and just like what I actually think and not what's expected of me, whether that's an answering a question or how I show up somewhere with food or, yeah, I think that that's been one thing, just having that self-awareness, giving myself space to, to really be able to dig into that. So journaling for has been like a huge thing. I think that's helped me kind of uncover or even start to see just this pattern of assimilation or this pattern of trying to fit into a box that that was never mine to fit into. So journaling and, and just growing in that self-awareness. Um, I think also, you know, when I started to read more diverse stories, that really gave me permission and gave me not just representation of others like me, but just um, kind of gave me this representation of how wide our experiences can be and how expansive they can be. And that just, I guess that just opened up these boxes, you know, that I had lived with my whole life and carried around in the back of my head for whatever thing we're talking about, where it's, whether it's spiritual or, you know, ethnic identity, whatever. Um, but it kind of just opened up the door and stretched wide this space, you know, that where, where I could, I could find myself, I could see others that were different than me. And it just, it just gave me permission, I think, to, to really go there with myself and feel like I could name things that hadn't been named by others. If that, does that make sense? Yeah, it does. It is so easy in this noisy and fast-paced culture to not do the things that you're talking about. (laughs) It does take, but it takes, so it takes a measure of intentionality. Yeah. You know, I mean, maybe we as writers have a little bit of a one-up because that's Mm. kind of our (laughs) go-to, you know, journaling and these things. But I think whatever helps aid us in paying attention yeah. And like you said, naming, whether that is out loud or on the page, it's yeah. such, such a valuable thing. I yeah. co-sign those things. <laughs> yeah. I had the joy of coming to your launch party for your book, Tell Me mm-hmm. the Dream Again, which I, I don't say this to flatter you and because you're my friend, even <laughs> though I want to do those things because they're both true. But it was truly one of my favorite books from 2023. So being at your launch party was super fun to celebrate with you. And one of the things that you did was to ask each of us to bring a dish that felt like home. I love that. (laughs) I love the potluck carrying situation. (laughs) But let's talk about that concept of home for a little bit. I know it can be really complicated, so we might just have to like muddle through. But (laughs) for you... Like, what is home? What are some characteristics of those things, places, and people that you would define as home for you? Yeah, it's such a big question. It's such a simple question. But yeah, so I think if we kind of go back to what we were talking about with your first question, I think, you know, I've I've always been looking for home, like looking for that settledness without having a name for it, right? Trying to figure out, do I fit in more with my Korean side or do I fit in more with my Caucasian, my white side, like, you know, and, and where do I go? And then on top of that, you know, and you know, we've talked about this, but my upbringing was a lot of shifting. We moved a lot, moved overseas, moved back, you know, there was just a, a multicultural experience in my home from the get-go. And so there was a constant like 
trying to figure out what home is to me. So I think that was very confusing for a long time. And I would take other people's answers. So that's just like that lines up with what we were talking about. But I would hear someone answer something so assuredly. Like I remember being at this camp and people were talking about going home and someone asked like the crowd, what are you so excited to have when you go home? What food like characterizes your home? And someone was talking about their mom's like chicken noodle soup and in such an assured way. And I remember sitting there thinking like, I have no idea. I was like, well, this, but then also this. And, you know, just, it just kind of went with my upbringing and that confusion that I always felt. But I would say that as, again, just as I've become more aware of things like when I'm sick, like, what do I crave? <laughs> like, what do I crave? I crave my mom being there. I crave this specific thing that she makes. Um, but those things have felt really hard for me to answer. They haven't, even though they're they're really simple questions, there have been certain things. What would I just generally always want to eat when we go out to eat? It's always going to be Asian food. It's not like I don't enjoy other foods, but if there's no one else in the room and I'm just picking, like, that's home to me. And so... I think in all of my journeying and searching, it's very much come back to my body, how I was nurtured as a child, like how I experienced love and those things. So food, um, care, you know, things that were spoken to me in the way that they were spoken, whether that was in Korean or, you know, with an accent, the words kind of mixed up in English. So those are the things that always bring me closer to my belovedness. You know, and a lot of that is earthly, which is fine. But like, I think that anything that kind of brings me back to that, to that original identity as God's beloved daughter, those are the things that I think really are home to me. That brings me back to that shalom, that wholeness, yeah, you know. I love some of the the words that you use to describe that for you. It's belovedness, hair, shalom, <laughs> you know, these words that there is that underlying settledness yeah. to those words. We we both love food. This is not <laughs> a secret between the two of us. Um, I think that we both are like really want to be like the food foodstagrammers or whatever they're called, the, the people who just post pictures of food all the time. What do you think? So food is like really central to who we are as people yeah. because you need it to survive. But there's also a sacredness there. And so... Talk a little bit more about the role that food in particular has played in your sense of belonging. So I have this quote by Anthony Bourdain. Can I just read it? Absolutely. It's like in the beginning of one of the chapters of my book, but um, he wrote, food is everything we are. It's an extension of nationalist feeling, ethnic feeling, your personal history, your province, your region, your tribe, your grandma. It's inseparable from those from the get-go. I love that quote. I love him. Anyway, I just think it kind of sums up why it's so important and how it grounds us and connects us to others that we belong to and to, it's like a, the receptacle of love, you know. In Korean culture, it's very much how you express love. It's how you say, I love you. Um, but I think it's true in all cultures. It's, you know, a way that we're nurtured, you know, we're kept alive. It's like survival and care from, from the beginning of our existence. And so that's how we begin. And so it takes us back to that, you know, um, that place, that, that place of like cre being created and belonging to something and someone. So, um, yeah, I love food, but I think it's, it's so important. And I think it's so important to explore 
how the food that we've experienced connects us to um, just our belovedness. Cause I think it's very intertwined and, um, and how it connects us to the other people in our lives. Do you find, can you experience food differently depending on whether like you're eating it by yourself versus with other people? Or if it's a dish that feels like home, it's a dish that feels like home and it doesn't mm-hmm. matter who's around. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think that sharing something with someone, there's a there's a difference there. There's something really sacred and special, whether it's something that you're both familiar with or you're sharing you know, something that's familiar to you with someone else, you know, that has maybe never tried it before, like kind of offering a a part of yourself, you know, in a different way. But I also think like when I'm alone, I mean, sometimes I just eat because I have to eat, you know, (laughs) just sustenance. But when there are certain things that I eat when I'm alone and it really feels like a spiritual experience to me and I'm not, not every time I'm not always, you know, in tune to that, but a, a lot of times it feels like the spiritual experience for me. And I think because I rejected a lot of things, growing up and have come back around to this this desire to practice embrace I think that that sometimes it carries a little bit of weight so I, I really feel like sometimes when I'm putting the spoon in a certain kind of Korean stew or mixing it with rice and eating it it's like a not like a breath prayer but I literally feel like this sense of God is saying I love you and let me nourish and nurture you and it feels like just I guess a reminder that this is who I am. Um, Korean, but not just Korean, like beloved, and um, I can receive it. One so. thing that I that I love about eating, but also about preparing meals, and it could be, you know, just pulling things out of the refrigerator and reheating them. And my husband always says, if you attractively represent leftovers <laughs> to me, it's so much like he's so much more excited about them than yeah. you know, Tupperware. But I think of how often I live in my own head and there is something about preparing and eating food that helps me remember that I am more than a head. I am also Mm. a body. Yeah. It just reconnects me to a wholer version Mm. of myself. Yeah. I think it all really matters. I mean, I was looking, I was writing out a note for my Substack, and I was kind of like scrolling through and changing the like how it appears and this old post showed up and it was from Lunar New Year which is you know that's coming up on the 10th of February but a year ago I had this whole experience with making dumplings and again it was the it was the folding like feeling the wrappers and the little flour on the outside of them in my hands, dipping them in the water. It's not just work. There's a sacredness to it, or there can be that we experience. I didn't even think of Jesus saying, you know, with communion, like offering the bread and the wine and the fact that he's like breaking it. I don't know. I mean, that's not like cooking, but, or baking, but there's still something to that. And it like sinks into our memory and our experience, I think in a way that's, that's different than just thinking so, about right. Well, it, it involves multiple senses. Like yeah. like you said, you're you're smelling it, you're feeling it, you're tasting it. Your brain is engaged with what do I need to do next? It's it's all of those things and helping us not only to be present but to to share in that goodness both with mm-hmm. with God but also then I love being able to then share that with my family. Now the boys don't always eat everything yeah. I give. Them, but <laughs> yep, I get that. <laughs> we have just try it. But yeah. there, there is that communal aspect. One thing that, you know, th- thinking back to your launch party that I really love too, is there were so many different types of food represented. Yeah. I remember there being, you know, 
tamales. And I, I think I brought an apple crisp, which is so very yeah. Midwestern of me. I love it. But like all of these different foods represented. And even though I didn't get to talk to every single person there, there was a measure of feeling like I got to know mm. the other people who were there mm-hmm. just based on the food that they brought. And so yeah. it was just such a, I mean, we we keep saying this word, but it truly was a sacred experience to be able Aww. to do that. It's like experiencing just a little bit in a very sensory t- type of way, another yeah. person's story. Yeah. And words weren't exchanged, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I love that. I wish we had time for words that everyone could talk a little bit about, but yeah, I totally think that you, yeah, a lot was expressed just through that taste and like just seeing it. Yeah. Well, Definitely. we could talk about food for a really long time. <laughs> I might for the sake of like our show notes, or maybe this will be our bonus question. We'll talk about like recipes or something. Right now, you know, I know that you have been talking about your book for a while and um, you write elsewhere, but you're also kind of in a, in a quieter season. And Mm -hmm. so you're, you're living life right now, aren't you? (laughs) Despite how much it feels like Jenga, where do you say that from where you are, that you sense God's invitation to be more human together? Where are you sensing for you God's nudges? I think, and this is, I feel like kind of a boring answer, but I think just like with the people that are right around me, whether that's in my house or and extending a little further in the places that I frequent um, locally, do a lot of things online as you probably do too. And I do think that there's room for that there as well. But I think really just in my everyday, because I think this is where I not forget to be human, but just, I easily just float into this unawareness, I guess, just, you know, doing my everyday life. We've got stuff people need to get out the door. You know, there's just stuff that has to be done. Um, And then the places that I frequent, a lot of times it's again, because I have to get things and they just have to get done or we're just there all the time that it's just so regular to me that I don't really think about, I guess, just carrying that, that extra, that extra piece, you know, really, I guess, bringing that awareness to the people that are right in front of me that are around me. Yeah. So I think that's where the invitation is and maybe it always is there. And it's just where I struggle the most to be intentional and to, I guess, live out what I say is so important to me in that aspect, you know? I wonder too, like I really relate to that because I'm a feelings person and I expect the communal life. I expect being human together to sometimes be a little more romantic. I just mean like, maybe it's a bit like melancholy, maybe a bit idealistic, romantic in that type of way. When in actuality, it's like, oh, the communal life is actually happening. It's a lot of bumping into one another, you know? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, A Shannon Martin quote that, you know, she talked about human together is often just like, bumping into one another along the way. Mm. Um, I didn't get that word for word, but that really stuck with me that, oh, it doesn't always have this like warm glow to it. Right, right, right. Well, and I think too, there are all these like huge things going on in the world. And because of our online existence, like we can have conversations about those things and they're important. And, but then I think I, I forget that I'm, we're living in those conversations in real life, you know, when, when I go to church, like when I, and it, and it, it's not, they aren't these two separate things or maybe they shouldn't be so separate. If that, 
makes sense, but I think it can be really easy in the world we're living in to feel like they're separate and then just live a completely different life. <laughs> you know, not, not, you know what I'm saying, like just live differently and not, that doesn't carry over. And that just, that doesn't feel human or right. Like it feels like something's off all the time yeah. or I can feel that, you know, when I'm leaning in, leaning. Sorry. Right. Well, it can feel clunky. Yes. And I think you mentioned at the beginning, feeling awkward. There's like, again, the tension in those things. And God could be really kind in, in inviting me or revealing a certain thing, like in my head, like my heart, but then it's, it's those moments either in my home or at church or at the grocery store and the school yeah. pickup line where I'm like, oh, now I get to live it. And gosh, yeah. it's so hard. Well, it's like kind of like you have to actually make the food. Like, you know what I mean? Like taste it, let it spill. I mean, it's just not the same as just thinking about it. You know? Yeah. It's different. It's not an I idea. <laughs> well, Tasha, I know that we could talk about so many of these things, but I just love time with you whenever and however I can get time with you. <laughs> and I would love to connect people to you, to your work. So what is the best way? Like, where do you want people to go find you? Yeah, I think probably the places that I show up the most, that I enjoy showing up the most, maybe Instagram, Tasha Doombie, and then my Substack newsletter, which I guess I don't show up there frequently, but it is my, I do like it there. Um, and that's Shalom Sick Notes. I'll make so. sure to, to put links to those in the show notes so people can find you and connect with you. Also, if you haven't had a chance to read Tasha's book, Tell Me the Dream Again, I will link to that as well. She didn't ask for that, but I'm going to do it anyway <laughs> <laughs> because it really is a great book. And Tasha, thank you. Thank you for taking some time out of your <laughs> dreary Indiana <laughs> winter day to be with me. No, thank you. This is a bright spot. So thank okay. you for having me. Absolutely. Thanks so much for joining us for this first episode of Human Together. If you want to keep today's conversation going, I invite you to become a Human Together subscriber over on Substack. Not only will you gain access to extended episodes and book club, but you'll also support the show and help us keep it ad-free. Human Together is hosted by me, Sarah E. Westfall, and produced and edited by Ben Westfall. The theme music is Sit With Me, written and performed by Sarah Scarborough. I'm glad you found your way here, and I hope you'll be back next week. <laughs>